is At Home with Lauren Keenan, your authority on home, lifestyle and interior design. Hey there, it's me, Lauren. My nine to five is heading up Lauren Keenan Home, my interior design and styling business here in Sydney. And I work with people all over Australia to help them create homes that they love. And hey, it's Scott here. And, you know, that's what this show is about as well, talking to interesting people about how they're adapting to new ways of doing things and helping you to make the most of your home for family life and for work as well during these challenging times. And just to be positive wherever we can, because let's face it, there are plenty of things to worry about right now. But this is a friendly space where you can learn something new and have a bit of fun along the way. Yeah, it's great. And I'm ready to get into it. We've got new episodes every two weeks, sometimes every week if we're really feeling it. (laughs) Um, And of course, the only way that you won't miss an episode is by subscribing in your favorite podcast app. And today we are talking about how coronavirus is changing the way that us Aussies think about our homes and the way that we all search for property. People are looking for acreage, they're looking for properties that are an hour, a bit of an hour away from the capital cities. So clearly people are thinking, what am I doing here? Why don't Mm. I think about making that sea change or tree change and going further out, having space, letting my children run around, I'm having a a bit of land. Our guest today is Alice Stoltz. Alice has been a regular on Channel 9's reality renovation show, The Block, but she's also a journalist with a love for beautiful homes and design. And for the past six years or so, she's been in charge of Domain's magazines and websites as their managing editor and now as the director of content and commercial integration. It's a big job and it is a major platform for buying, selling and renting property and with a wealth of information about what we're all searching for during the pandemic. Now, things like open plan living and cool apartments near the city may have been pretty popular in the past, certainly for us. (laughs) Um, But coronavirus now has people looking for something a little different, things like more privacy and, of course, people are craving more space. And we also talk about a new government grant that could help tens of thousands of families build or renovate their homes and also help builders, tradies and professionals in the property industry during this really tough time. Yeah, there's going to be plenty of growing families out there that find themselves at a real estate crossroads you might be settled in an area that you really love but you find that you're outgrowing your home that's right and you might be asking do we renovate so we can stay near the kids school and our favorite cafes that's a big consideration or do we find a bigger home and move to avoid the stress of dealing with builders and living through a reno so alice and lauren have got you covered on this they're going to walk you through the government's new home builder grant scheme which could help you pocket twenty-five thousand big ones for your next build or renovation project. So all that and much more with Alice Stoltz from Domain on At Home with Lauren Keenan. Hi, Alice. Thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's been a really challenging time in 2020. How are you and the team at Domain coping with this new way of working and adapting to those new arrangements? Look, we certainly have to sort of be practicing what we preach and talk about people being nimble and agile, which we do a lot in our industry. Um, We've all adapted really quickly to remote learning. Um, We're obviously a national business. Our head office is in Sydney. Um, I'm based with a quite a big team in Melbourne and we're used to sort of going back and forth traveling between the cities often um, we've obviously all given up that luxury at the moment um, but look you know what we've actually adapted to it really quite quickly and even as an industry um, we found agents have been really responsive to having to quickly flick to digital um, so I think um, I think overall pretty well you're coming to us from home today and no doubt lots of your colleagues are working at home as well but then yeah interested to talk a little bit more about how how are real estate agents 
responding and reacting and working through coronavirus. I know that in Victoria, um, in-person auctions have been banned. How is this all working and what are things like? Yeah, it's a good question, Scott. And I think initially it was a really big about face for a lot of people. We know that particularly in Victoria, you know, Melbourne is known as the action capital of the world, um, where public auctions are sort of like theatre for Victorians and Melburnians in particular. And definitely that's the case in Sydney also. So we all had to give up that wonderful pastime of on a Saturday attending a public auction and the fun that goes with that. And agents had to very quickly pivot to having auctions via Zoom or whatever whatever platform they wanted to use. Um, they did do that very, very quickly. And we also found that audiences did also respond to that. Having said that, I think the uptake for a lot of people, they had to buy quite quickly, many people. So they really didn't have an option to say, oh, I don't want to bid from home. They really, a lot of people who had just sold their own house had no option but to do that. I think what's difficult is the change, but I do think eventually we'll probably land at this lovely sweet spot where when all this is over, we do have we do retain the option of having online auctions as well as public auctions. And I think that's a great benefit for many consumers to have the best of both worlds. Um, a lot of people have really enjoyed the fact they can take a beat, take a breath, sit with their partner at home without being eyeballed in the street um, while raising their hand for a $4 million house or something. It yeah, is a lot, a lot more of pressure, right? At home. Yeah, there is a lot of pressure and and we know that some people have very aggressive auction tactics. Um, obviously, auctioneers have their own way of drawing out bids from the public too, which can be very intimidating for some people also. So there is a real benefit for being at home, I think, being able to do that. But you do definitely miss a bit of the energy and pent-up emotion of what can take place in an auction on the street if you're that vendor. That's when the magic can often happen and you can have what you know we call sort of volcano auctions where things go out absolutely nuts. Um, but having said that, on the weekend online, um, Marshall White had a property that went, I think, $350,000 over reserve in Pran online auction. Wow. A How lot does of an online auction demand. actually work? Well, so everybody, you have to register prior and then you're all logged on and then you just place your bid as you normally would. And the auctioneer calls the auction and says, you know, 1.2 over there, 1.3 over there from bidder number four and then bidder number five bids the next one so you certainly have to ensure you've got really good internet connection on that day yeah. um, and that's why I think for some people who don't feel that confident with technology uh, they may be using um, advocates to bid on their behalf or have work with the agency to have someone help bid on their behalf also I think everybody should be assured that an, an agent is, is going to ensure that everybody is very comfortable bidding and that no one's going to not feel like they, they can have their voice heard Scott, to your question earlier about how people have adapted, look, I think domain as a business is a very contrarian business. We're a digital business, absolutely, but we also still have print publications. And I think as an industry, real estate is kind of very old world meets new world in many ways. We do have a lot of different platforms, I suppose, and agents have really had to become so fast and furious into how they respond to things, I think, through technology over the past decade in particular. And they're very motivated to have to keep up with it and to ensure that buyers and sellers have what they need to keep transacting. Well, yeah, their businesses rely on it, don't they? I'm interested, though, um, what is the data telling you in you know the back end of your, your site and your platforms about how consumers are using domain? Are we Has coronavirus changed the way that we, that we search or sell our properties? What's changing? It's really fascinating because you can really get a great snapshot of how people are feeling. So the demand for search in regional areas, particularly in Victoria and New South Wales, has just gone absolutely bananas. People are looking for acreage, they're looking for 
properties that are an hour, a bit of an hour away from the capital cities. So clearly people are thinking, what am I doing here? I live a 45-minute commute from the city <laughs> and I live in a tiny a tiny house or something with all my children jammed in around me and I'm not, I'm not even going to the office anymore. Why mm. don't I think about making that sea change or tree change and going further out, having space, letting my children run around, um, having a bit, of, a bit of land and being able to be able to dial into work each day. So I think we are seeing such a shift into what people want from the house that they live in. I think that idea that people have left on the back burner for so many years is now really coming into fruition for a lot of people. The search for this is just it's completely, as I said, gone through the roof. The other thing we're seeing a lot of people searching for is obviously studies. That idea that I think a lot of people used to say, oh, I just work from the kitchen table. That all sounds great when it's, you know, an hour or two of an evening, a few nights a week. But like all of us, these, this, mm. is, a, this is weeks and weeks on end of working from home. So 100%. I think desirability to have a little place in your house that you can peel off away from the rest of the family is really in demand at the moment and I think people are really sort of thinking twice about open plan living might not have been such a great idea as what people thought it was a year ago. <laughs> and so that's actually coming up in your search terms, people looking at, at homes with studies and really trying to get into that granular detail. It's something actually we've been talking about to a couple of other people on the show, somebody coming up, a, a physiotherapist talking about being setting up properly at home and, and doing it safely. And I think people are now pra- thinking practically about how they want to live their lives in their homes in the future. I, I think as a country, we're really shifted away from having this idea that we want to sort of be in a city and be connected to sort of great lifestyle areas and actually thinking, maybe I do want, as I said, a better lifestyle house. And obviously that changes for different people depending on a family situation or, or whatever. But I think the idea that you have to be close to your office is really shifting. And I think anecdotally, we're hearing a lot of people saying, I don't know that I will ever go back to to the office full time. Now, many of our listeners will know you from the block where you've been a guest judge with Domain for a couple of years now, but I was interested to learn that before you joined Domain in 2014, you actually worked as a writer for a whole bunch of different magazines like Elle and Sunday Style and Bell and many others, and that you did a lot of that work while you were living in Paris. Can you tell us a bit about what it was like to be living and working over there and writing for Aussie publications? Sure. So I ended up living in Paris for just um, a bit under 12 years. Um, and my husband and I moved there thinking we just sort of wanted to go and live abroad for a while, not quite realising the enormity of what we were doing. We were quite naive. <laughs> um, and went there thinking we'd go for a year or two. We both could go over with our jobs at the time. And then um, kind of went there and forgot to come back. And I think <laughs> I think what happened, I think what happened was that it was just we arrived and it was just so frightfully hard. Um, I spoke no French at the time that I arrived there. I was sort of plucky enough to wow. think I'll be able to wing this and work it out. And I sort of, you know, day one very quickly realised, oh, my gosh, and being in a job where, I, you know, communication is everything for me as a journalist, I, that's that's how I make my bread and butter. Um, so I promptly enrolled in Alliance Francaise for probably three or four months and just literally immersed myself in learning French so aggressively I was conjugating verbs in my sleep. Um, and, then I, and, and then I finally had that thing. I thought, okay, I've got enough here to actually go back into the workforce. So I went into the workforce um, and I was editing in English for a business, business publication uh, but in a completely French office. So I just found that sort of I was in that sink or swim situation where I just had to speak all the time and that helped me get over that sort of gap of not being able to communicate. Um, But it was just 
it was a wonderful place to live, but it was an incredibly hard place to, to sort of assimilate in those first couple of years. And and the thing is about living in Paris is that no one wants to hear you complain about it because no one no one believes you when you say it's very hard and challenging and and you know poor me. Um, but it was it was very lonely initially. Um, but then I kind of little by little began to understand sort of the cultural codes of what what France was about, I suppose. And as I got to unlock each of those codes, I became more and more my own person over there. And then we eventually ended up having our having our three daughters there as well. Um, and there's nothing like having babies in the country and raising children to really mm-hmm. make you feel indoctrinated into a system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a magical place to live and I got to sort of write about culture and restaurants and cover fashion shows and do all sorts of magical stuff so it, it was sounds a really like a dream life to be honest I know it was, it was hard work lovely... but it's when you explain it like that it sounds like amazing like like everyone yeah, would want to do it it was it was Lauren but we sort of woke up one day and our children were all French and we realized that if we don't extract them sooner or later we're not going to be able to so we wanted them to be able to climb trees and learn how to body surf and walk on burnt concrete so we made the decision to come back <laughs> Good, here. Yeah. And, um, is there anything you and, missed about France Oh yeah, so much of it. Look, I mean, I, for a lot of it, it's it's just the beautiful aesthetic of everything in Paris. You know that beautiful aplomb that they tie a piece of paper around a baguette, and um, just that lovely joie de vie, I suppose, of life um, yeah. is is it's just magical. And the and the theatre and you know flourish they do everything with. It's a beautiful and very inspiring place to live. Now, things are pretty um, tough in publishing at the moment, and things like advertising revenues are down quite a lot. You know, thanks to the economic impact of coronavirus do you still keep in touch with any of your you know former colleagues in magazines and obviously domain being a publisher what do you expect the future to look like for us magazine consumers i've got lots of very dear friends in publishing and i think the ones who have still managed to survive it have really kind of adapted their way that they approach their work Um, it's it's kind of hard to be a lofty journalist at the moment and write all day without having to sort of think commercially or to responding what audiences want, you know, and I think the way that we do our job has really evolved dramatically and at Domain we're constantly trying to respond to what our consumers want in a way that I don't think we did. I started at The Age many years ago and I don't remember ever sort of ever being motivated in in that way like we are now. We paused Domain's print publications that come out through The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald and the Financial Review. Yeah, they've just come back recently, haven't they? Yes, we paused them in March when COVID hit. It was complicated around distribution, printing and assuring the safety of everybody involved. So we paused everything. And I think we've we've sort of shored up the way that we do things. We feel quite confident. And we also know that consumers have such a sort of thirst for knowledge at the moment. And ultimately, look, there is a small window that you think maybe consumers need us more than ever at the moment. No one can leave the house in Victoria at the moment. Um, We've got captive audiences who, as I said, have such a thirst for knowledge about what the market's doing, how to make sense of it. And also, I think to have that escapism of thinking, Gosh, make me forget about this and dream about buying that property. A beautiful that house somewhere. Or yeah, there's, there's something lovely and escapist about that wistful nature. I think about how you want to live your life in the future. 
Well, speaking of amazing homes, you must have got to see some beautiful homes throughout your role with Domain. Is there anyone in particular that stands out as really spectacular or, or different that you've come across in your time with the organisation? Gosh, I, it's it's probably the most challenging part of my job. I come home and I have the most, you know, idealistic ideas of what my own home <laughs> should be like from what I see. You know what, though, what's really curious is I just really have an appreciation for just such beautiful design. So big houses and marble everywhere doesn't really impress me. What I love is really clever and inventive design when someone's done a tiny little footprint of a house but made the most magical and masterful use of that space. It's probably because I lived in a small apartment in Paris for so long that I do really think clever design while not taking up so much space is is the way forward for for us and what I find really inspiring. I think it's not until you've lived in a, in a really small house yourself that you appreciate space and storage and how to get the most out of what you're living with. I think yeah, if you haven't done that before, you don't get it. That is so true. I was I was at um I was at a, a I was at somewhere the other day and and they carved out this amazing roof cavity and everybody was like oh that's great to have a bit of roof space and I just couldn't move on from this because I just thought it, I mean it's so ingenious and it's so obvious but just you know when you put that ladder down and you can put all your Christmas trees up there and your skis and kids clothing for next year and all that sort of stuff I, I find that really inspiring and I think it's a lot harder to be clever in a smaller space than it is to have carte blanche and do whatever you want and have all the space in the world. One of the reasons we wanted to talk to you today was about this idea of um, renovating and buying. The reason that people are probably thinking about that, and of course, we all love talking about property. It's pretty much a national sport. Um, But one of the big reasons for that is is because so many of us have so much of our equity and our savings tied up in the value of our homes. Like, What are the sorts of trends that you're seeing on things like property values? And what are the economists at Domain sort of forecasting for property values as we sort of get deeper into this current recession? I'll have to put a caveat at the start saying, so we're now what are we mid-July guys because I think had you spoken to me even three weeks ago um, as COVID was unfolding but not having that second wave that we're in now we actually felt that prices would be would hold quite steady particularly in the capital cities but now you know three weeks on we're in a completely different environment Um, look I don't think anything in the capital cities is going to drop enormously I think capital cities are always going to hold their value particularly in Melbourne and Sydney however what's going to happen over the next 12 months you know and if if there's sort of talks here about state in Victoria and stage four lockdowns Um, and how people transact property during that period is going to be another 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 really big question we're going to have to think about um you know at the moment you can still do private inspections but will people actually buy a house if they can't physically walk through it as i said people have responded really well to it but they can still ultimately now physically visit something but if that does change how that affects the market no no one knows at the moment Um, i've been a little bit surprised myself at the number of transactions that have been occurring over the past sort of three or four months as we've sort of seen coronavirus come into our community Mm. i thought it was going to really sort of hit a, a, plummet. a, a really yeah. plummet, hit a big downturn that people would pull right out of the market. And I've been surprised to see that people are still searching, people are still going to look at homes and people are still buying. There's a bit of desperation there too, I think, at the moment, a lot of people. I think we did see a lot of people who were in that state of limbo who did have to buy fairly early on. And in that first few weeks when the lockdowns happened, that definitely there was that pent up demand from those people who had just recently sold and had to buy. And you always have, particularly in Australia, opportunists in a property market, people who are scouring for a bargain. But I think we're also seeing a lot of um, a lot of interest in sort of the sub 1.5 mil in Melbourne and Sydney in particular in that first home buyer category. We've got 
different markets all around the country, but I think there are many industries which are unaffected by COVID-19 and are still in stable employment. And I think those people, particularly first home buyers, have got record low interest rates and they literally are just so desperate and hungry to buy that nothing is going to stop them. Um, Having said that, we know the unemployment rate is literally rising before our eyes. But those who are in stable employment, particularly in in construction or in health um, and in sectors which are largely unaffected for the time being, are still wanting to transact, obviously. And I do think that first home buy category is really got a lot of pent-up demand for them to just to get in there while interest rates are so low. I think government policy is one area that is going to have an impact on how we get through the recession. And one policy that is specifically focused on the housing sector is this new Home Builder Grant program that was announced by the Australian government um, earlier this year to try to keep builders and tradies working through the downturn. Why do you think the government has targeted this group for assistance? Look, I think the government's done this to inject confidence into people's hearts and minds, basically. We know what a big sector construction is in Australia and we also know how everybody, every single Australian is affected by housing. I think they're trying to inject confidence into the economy and I think they're trying to say to people, get out there, get amongst it and keep transacting and spending. Um, we know we know governments receive a lot of money through stamp duty also. So I think I think it's I think it's a twofold situation and I think they've managed to sort of kill a few birds with one stone, that they're sort of helping out, as I said, people who financially need a bit of a hand who can still borrow at the moment. And I and again I say that and there are many, many people who can't, but there are some, particularly trades in that, who are desperate to buy and hungry to buy and I think the appeal of the the home the the home builder scheme is that there are people who are sitting on the fence saying oh gosh coronavirus I won't buy now and I think those fence sitters that $25,000 grant the government's offering have just pushed them over the edge to think okay I'll take it now. So who's actually eligible for the $25,000 grant? Because there are limits and caps. There's a contract price cap and a, an income price cap as well. Is that is that right? So basically the government's offering $25,000 if you're single, aren't earning, didn't earn over more than, more than $125,000 in the last financial year, or if you're a couple, you didn't earn more than $200,000 combined. The value of your property can't be over $1.5 million if you're renovating. When you spend on that renovation, you have to spend a minimum of $100,000 $150,000 and a maximum of $750,000. So what's interesting there is they're not wanting you to do your own DIY, I'll just retire my own bathroom for 15 k they're, they're saying to you, we want you to substantially improve your property because $150,000 is a lot of money for a renovation spend for some people. So they're really demanding that you're going to do it to a certain level and a certain quality. So what sort of projects do you think that the, the scheme could cover? It gives a lot of people an opportunity to, to work with an interior designer or an architect to begin thinking more holistically about their approach. Twenty five k can also be a great thing to do to say, I actually will now knock down that wall to create a bit more space in my back living area or combined living dining area. I think maybe for some people it will give an opportunity to sort of use use beautiful finish on something that they might have been cutting a corner on initially. Or I think maybe to do the second bathroom, not just one bathroom, to put another bathroom on to, you know, if I've got a baby on the way or something. The other way that people can also use the handout is obviously through house and land packages. So that's very appealing, particularly to that first home buy category, that they can put that money into a house and land package where 
everything is done for them. When it comes to house and land, there are extras you can say yes or no to. You know, developers have been clever and strategic about making packages that really entice that buying category. You know, people want to be able to say, I want to have that carpet, not that one. And and I think with things like this $25,000, people might have a bit more optionality around it. But real estate agents in the residential space and developers saw a massive spike in inquiries and requests for, for properties when this grant was announced by the government. So it certainly did what the government intended it to do. That's exciting because we do want to keep the economy going. We want to keep people employed. And if this is one way to do it, then that's fantastic. Now, at the time of recording this, the government hasn't yet released any information about the application process. Do you have any insights about you know how it might work or what it might look like, how easy it might be, knowing that at this stage, the states and the territories who are going to be managing it haven't quite got their ducks in a row? I think the government, to its credit, is trying to make this as accessible as possible. It's unca- it's uncapped the amount of what they're going to do. All we know is it has to be done by the end of the year. Um, and I think they're trying to want to make it as accessible as possible. And we've, ne- we've never really seen a package like this that's just this sort of blanket um, a blanket offering before you know normally it comes with the caveats like you have to you know you know do so many certain things but mm. really it is quite a broad package on, in many regards so I envisage it being quite simple but given the idea behind it the philosophy behind it is to get people constructing buying and building I think that that's probably what the driving light is behind it do you think that the the demand for the program is going to exceed the government's expectations because it is a 680 million dollar package and mm. I think that works out to be about about um, 27,000 people they think might apply for it. Do you think that many people will will apply for the program? Or Look, I mean, honestly, Lauren, had you asked me that a month ago, I probably would have said yes. But again, now what's happening in Victoria is who knows, you know, and I think mm. that's just changing so much. I think in states like Queensland, definitely, um, and potentially even Tasmania, South Australia, WA. But obviously in Sydney and Melbourne, it's more and more challenging that that amount to do anything with is more challenging yeah. in, in where, where those prices are so sort of heady and expensive at times. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But I do know that when you, you can also layer this scheme with other packages the government's offered. So I do think when you add it all up, particularly for first-time buyers, you can actually be stacking up quite a lot of sort of coupons from the government that can be quite advantageous. It's just really hard to know what, ex- what to expect at the moment because when I know when COVID all you know kicked off, I really thought my my clients would start cancelling and that I'd have no people getting in touch about new projects. I don't think I've been busier than I have been in the last few months. It's it's like people have been spending more time at home and they realise the the value of home and how important it is to have a, a beautiful space. And, yeah, I've had a lot of inquiries about people wanting to make improvements to their spaces. It's really interesting. It's so true and that's why I think it think hopefully this is contained as much as it can be at the moment that we don't have that contamination to the economies further mm. and further and further. And at the moment we just don't know what that's going to look like. But I think we're exactly the same. We've got so much interest from people wanting to think about, as I said, that dreaming phase of what can I do to my house? How do I change my life? And I think if there's a silver lining to the awfulness of COVID, it's a people are now thinking my home is so important, my family are more important than ever. I want to live and share all this with my family and friends and have them around me and and have 
have go back to having barbecues and friends over and all this sort of stuff, not being so obsessed about work and even going on exotic holidays every year. I want to really create this cocooning environment in the place yeah. that I'm living. And I think and I think that that's where a lot of that's stemming from. And I don't know that people are going to be with such extensive and lavish budgets is what they may well have done before. But I think that people are saying, you know what, you know, I do want to do a bit of DIY myself or I do want to upgrade a little bit or add add some more value to my property so that my biggest investment is is offering me more in the future. And how about for you, Alice? How, how are you finding living and working at home and, and spending more time with your husband and the kids? Is it fun? Is it challenging? Are you worried? How are you handling it all? You're asking me on a good day today, Scott, so that's probably, <laughs> probably going to get a positive response. Look, in many ways I've kind of, it's really forced me to slow down. I was in a role where I was going back and forth to Sydney, between Sydney and Melbourne often. I don't quite know how I did it. Do you know what I mean? Like that sort of kept up that pace for so long. But look, on the whole, it's made me really slow down a lot. Uh, we were planning on renovating and then when COVID hit, we thought, well, we just took a big gulp and thought we'll hold. And now three months in, we're in this lovely but rambling Edwardian house that looks like Charles Dickens once lived in it. Um, and after three months in it, I said to my husband, we've just got to bite the bullet and do this. So we've really scaled back the renovation. Um, we're moving out in a couple of weeks. And Have you applied for the – you could apply for the home builder grant. <laughs> I could indeed apply for that home buyer grant. I could let you know if it's going to be easy or not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then we can um, – we'll move out in a couple of weeks' time. So, you know, my heart's in my mouth a bit thinking, is this the right time to do this? But at the same time, I said to my husband, we just need to, you know, life goes on, doesn't it? And you have to kind of just keep pushing forward. 100%. And I think, and even if we do have to sell the house or something one day, it has to be in a state that's presentable. And at the moment, it's not. In the end, we made the decision to have options to, to renovate on a smaller budget. Hopefully, we, we do stay here forever. But if we, if we don't, we do need to sell at some point. We, we have that optionality to be able to sell. So I, I think it's and it's helped us living in the house more and more to sort of see those pockets of light coming in through the window in the middle of the afternoon that we never used to even know happened, you know, because we're always out of the house so much much we we've seen new sort of areas of the home that we have a new appreciation for so it's been wonderful from that perspective I I don't know it's forced us to sort of turn inwards a lot which has been really beneficial for us as a family yeah, well, it sounds like um, an exciting time ahead with the, the renovation and it sounds like there's some positives there to take away from what is a challenging period. And look, we, we do hope that this program, the, the the Home Builder Grant, does help the building and construction industry. It's an important part of the economy. It employs so many people directly and, of course, so many other jobs rely on it too, including interior designers mm-hmm. and stylists and mm-hmm. real estate agents and everybody working at Domain. So, we really do hope that you know it, it does help to kick along uh, the economy and and keep things moving like the government has intended. Mm. So thanks, um, like so much for your time today, Alice. It's been really great uh, to talk to you and, and learn more about the grant. And uh, it'd be really good to talk to you again later in the year after the block's been on telly and we've seen the beautiful properties advertised on Domain and to learn a bit more about that. I would love to. It's going to be a really great season, and I think I'm we excited. all need. We, we all need it more than ever, don't we? Do you know what I mean? I think it's going to be it's going to be a really amazing season ahead, and um, not long to go now. So I, I'd absolutely. Love to talk about that. 
That'd Sounds be great. great. And look, without giving too much away, um, is there anything that you can you can tell us? I know that they have had some some challenges, of course, because shooting's been happening during coronavirus. It's just been epic. And I think that's what sort of made me, gave me the impetus to crack on with it because it's like, as I said, life goes on. And when you see how the season unfolds, everything is thrown at them that has never, ever happened before. So how they navigate that um, with with all these other constraints around them is um, it, it's actually really inspiring. And I think it's going to be a really, really incredible season. I can't wait. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. That is The Block on Nine this year. And Alice Stoltz from Domain, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Alice. You're listening to At Home with Lauren Keenan, your authority on home, lifestyle and interior design. And that was a really good chat with Alice Stoltz from Domain with a, a lot there to think about, especially if you're planning to buy or sell during the pandemic. Alice was super generous with all her advice there. There's there's a lot to learn about what's going on at the moment. And I think the thing that I keep coming back to is surrounding yourself with the right experts, I think. So talking to the right real estate agents, speaking to the right um, financial planners and mortgage brokers and people like that, it's really important. Definitely. And there's lots of great information out there as well so do your research listen to some informative podcasts perhaps like like this one Um, and and as Lauren says talk to people that you trust now if you want more information about the home builder grant program we've put together a special page on our website with all the information that you need including where you can apply for the grant just go to laurenkeenan.com.au forward slash home builder and hey while you're there why don't you check out my interior design and styling work and sign up for my newsletter the lovely list every month i share some of my favorite things from books and podcasts through to beautiful interiors and architecture things that inspire me and my work sounds good now if you like what you hear you can click subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode and remember you know if you have time and you're keen rate and review the show in apple podcasts or your favorite podcast app and if you've got a topic or a question about interior design and styling that you'd like me to tackle here on the show just hit me up on the social Socials or email me lauren at laurenkeenan.com.au. Yeah, likewise, if you want Lauren to work on your home, anything from a room refresh to a renovation or a new build inside or outside the home and you know, it got me thinking summer is it's a little way off but Come it is on, coming <laughs> what about things like a, a cabana or a pool area update yeah i've just been working with some people on a pool area update they are going to be all set for summer fantastic maybe a new outdoor entertaining area too mm-hmm. could be nice as this as the weather warms up all you've got to do is get in touch and ask just go to the website and click on the contact button on the homepage. Next on the show, we've got a really inspiring story about an Aussie business that's gone from creating incredible staging and production at festivals and events to designing and making functional furniture with an eye to design. I sent Mick, uh, our head of production, a message and said, look, we need to make desks for for these whole industries of people that are going to be working from home now. And he jumped right on it. And within 24 hours, he'd come up with a couple of prototypes for a desk and a stand-up desk. For us, it had to look great, go together very simply, that anyone could put it together. You don't need any degrees. Uh, or Alan Keys and things like that. And it worked really, really well. You know what they say, Scotty? When life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. And that's what Jeremy and the team at Stage Kings are doing. That's coming up in the next episode of At Home with Lauren Keenan, your authority on home, lifestyle and interior design. 